Back with another edition of the Sooner Schooner Show here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we've got some injury news as OU gets ready to head into spring practice really just days away from that. So we'll give you the latest. Also, it's list season in talk radio and in pot look any spoken word content when you're doing college football it's time for the list espn put a list of their 80 best quarterbacks of the 2000s out we'll tell you how ou fared and we'll talk about ou's place in college football history since the turn of the century being quarterback you and what that means to have as many quarterbacks on this list as they do And I've got some thoughts on the future of Bedlam basketball, seeing as the last conference Bedlam basketball game was played in a home-and-home situation. And I'll tell you what I think both OU and OSU should do with that. Um, Also, give us a five-star rating, write a written review, then take a screenshot and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will give you the ultra-cool Heartland College Sports koozie. Um, show it off during spring break. Show it off during the summer. Tell everyone you've got great taste, not only in podcasts, but also where you consume your college football and really just college sports content in general. All right, some bad news for the Oklahoma defense as uh, Brent Vittables announced on another podcast that Jacob Lacey may in fact have to retire from football. He is going to be out for the 2024 season And it looks like he may be done because he's suffering from blood clots. And this is something that we've already seen before here at OU. As you can remember, Jalen Redman, a kid out of Midwest City, defensive end out of Midwest City, had issues dealing with those throughout his career as a Sooner. Well, now, unfortunately, it has hit Jacob Lacey. And uh, OU's going to miss him. This kid projected starter going into this year, played 13 games last year, had 17 tackles. Uh, two and a half sacks, or excuse me, two and a half uh, tackles for loss and a quarterback sack. Also a fumble recovery. And why this is so important, all right? And with as much pressure as it may now put on DeJon Terry to up his production, really where this is important is, one, you need depth. As good as you are up front or as good as you can be up front, you need depth. And no place, it feels like no place needs depth more than the defensive line, especially with all the up-tempo offenses that colleges play nowadays. Even in the Southeastern Conference, you need to rotate these guys out as much as possible. But the one thing we said OU needed to survive in the SEC was a physical dominating defensive line. Well, you're already down a man. You're already thin at this point. So that is a huge loss for Oklahoma. And now it becomes very important for Brent Venables and for the rest of that defensive staff to start establishing some guys to take Jacob Lacey's place during the spring. And if you can't get it done during the spring, then you've got that second transfer portal window that'll open up where you need to go out and you need to get someone because you can't go into the SEC season. Certainly when that first game takes place in mid-September against Tennessee, being down a guy and feeling like, yeah, we're right on track. No, that's not not where OU is. It's not where anybody is in the Big 12, or excuse me, the SEC. Um, sorry, I still get those kind of still get those confused. Even though I've been ripping on the Big 12, I still get the Big 12 and the SEC confused every once in a while. But no, OU is really going to need to do something to establish some depth along the defensive line. So 
That's a big loss. In other injury news, uh, quarter Gentry Williams not going to participate in the spring. Uh, had labrum surgery, and unfortunately, he just couldn't keep that thing healthy during the season. It was one of the reasons why uh, Gentry Williams had so many problems. So he will sit out this spring. And um, also, um, the cheetah position. Uh, Desa McCalla underwent some off-season procedures as well, uh, had a knee scope. Um, obviously, he's not the starter, uh, but this is a guy that could play, did have to play last year. Um, Justin Harrington, who's also at that position, we're still waiting on him to see if he's going to have eligibility. The NCAA, which drags their feet on everything, uh, is dragging their feet on this as well. So what that means is Kendall Dolby is going to get all the reps. He's going to get every one of the reps at Cheetah. Uh, and if he doesn't, he's going to get pretty much close to all the reps. So I would have a hard time thinking that coming out of spring, he isn't your favorite to start there even if Justin Harrington does come back. Who knows with Justin Harrington? Maybe he overtakes Kendall Dolby uh, once the fall practice rolls around. But that's your injury update, your eligibility update. As again, we are just a few days away from spring football, which has me excited. Um, not because, look, not because I don't care about softball or baseball or golf or any of the other sports going on. But football is what drives OU. Football is what drives my business. And and when I say my business, I mean talk radio. So, yeah, football is always going to be the focus of every single thing that we talk about. It doesn't mean that I don't have opinions on other things, but it just means that football is what you want, so we do our best to give that to you. And speaking of other things that I've got opinions on, and I want to I wanted to get to this real quick. I thought I was going to say this to the end of the podcast uh, but this is such a nice transition to go into it. Good win for OU on Saturday in Stillwater for, for Bedlam basketball. And Fran Fraschilla during the broadcast was saying that it all but assures that OU will find their way into the NCAA tournament or this will guarantee OU a slot into the NCAA tournament. I would warn OU, don't go out and screw around in the Big 12 tournament, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Don't screw around down the stretch. Because you never know uh, when you're one of those teams, and, and we know that the Big 12 is going to get nine in. If you're if you're towards the bottom of that nine with the Big 12, or you find yourself somewhat on the bubble, and upsets start happening in these one big league tournaments, you could end up finding yourself edged out of the NCAA tournament. So I'm not taking anything for granted. For me, what the real story is with OU and OSU over this past weekend is that it felt like it was played somewhere around the mid late nineties when Kelvin Sampson and Eddie Sutton were on the sidelines. It had that kind of intensity. It had that kind of level of play, even if it didn't have the athletes, especially on the OSU side that we are used to seeing. It was a lot of fun to some extent. Now my heart couldn't barely take it because OU shot poorly from beyond the arc in the first half. And in the second half, you felt like eventually they were going to get enough stops and they were going to make enough plays on the offensive end to win. And you end up having to go into overtime and OU wins it on a last-second shot. Um, I don't know that my heart can take too many more Bedlam games, but if this is something you are going to continue, okay? And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to continue Bedlam and either alternate home and away every single year, or heck, if you can sneak in 
a chance to play each other twice before you go into conference play. I don't think that would necessarily be bad. I'm not sure that OU or OSU wants to do that. But my solution is this. Until OU gets the LNC fixed, it needs to be a neutral site game. If you're only going to play once a year, then make it a neutral site game either in Oklahoma City or Tulsa. As much as I love Gallagher-Iba Arena and think it is one of the top five best arenas for college basketball when that thing is rocking, and and as an OU fan, there's no more satisfying win in basketball than knocking off OSU at Gallagher-Iba. And the only reason I say that's because OU hasn't beat Kansas since I've been in college in Fog Allen. I love beating OSU at Gallagher-Iba. I want to play at Gallagher-Iba as a fan, but if you can't, LNC is in such a bad is in such bad shape right now that I hate hosting any significant games there. I know you have to out of necessity, and I understand that there's talk about building a new arena in the north side of Norman or whatever. But until you get the LNC situation remedied and it's not such an eyesore, I would make it a neutral site game. It's going to lose. It's going to be a more sterile event. It's going to lose some of the atmosphere that you would get at Gallagher-Iba, but it's better than doing it Gallagher-Iba than neutral site, which, honestly, I wouldn't be that against. I just don't want to play the game at Lloyd Noble. Not until you get Lloyd Noble fixed. Get Lloyd Noble fixed, figure out something to do about a new arena, Make it Bedlam-worthy, and then you can have Bedlam once a year. But I wouldn't be opposed to it in basketball, baseball, softball, whatever. Uh, I'm very opposed to it in football, but in the other sports, it's easy. It, it, look, it's an easy game to travel to. It doesn't cost you any money because you don't have to pay for a hotel. The only thing you're really dishing out is money for buses and money for ga- gas with those buses, which, I don't know, I know it's kind of redundant, but that it's just an easy game to play. And it's a game where I think you would draw a good crowd no matter where you were and what what sport it was because there's always going to be intrigue from both sides. OU fans, you want to beat OSU because you want to show them that you're a little brother, and then OSU fans, well, they hate OU, and they always want to beat Oklahoma. So you might as well just go ahead and, and, and do Bedlam basketball, figure out a way to get it done, whether it's neutral site, home and home, whatever, but I don't think there's any reason to stop Bedlam basketball because usually they're very entertaining games, and if both OU and OSU can play up to their potential in history, then it could go down as a quality win or, as you say in basketball, a quality loss that would go a long way in determining where your seating is for the NCAA tournament. Man, I'm telling you what, the SEC, not a whole hell of a lot of difference Uh, From the Big 12, SEC looks like they're going to get nine into the NCAA tournament this year. So for OU, it's from the frying pan to the frying pan or from the fire to the frying pan. I don't know which way, but I don't know which way it kind of goes on either one of those things. But I still know that it's going to be tough for OU to go into the SEC. And they're not going to dominate the SEC, even though they're a really good basketball team. They're not going to dominate the SEC. I would think they'd be just as good in the SEC as they are in the Big 12 when it comes to basketball. Let's talk OU quarterbacks now. And thanks to ESPN for putting out another list. All the Okay, real quick, before we go down this road, ESPN put out a list of their 10 most intriguing quarterbacks for the upcoming football season. Jackson Arnold not on it. 
How do you leave Jackson Arnold off this list? OU, as we are about to establish, is quarterback you. You've got a brand new quarterback with a brand new offensive coordinator going into a brand new conference, which is supposed to be the toughest conference in America. And that's not intriguing. That's that's not intriguing at all. And I can't remember if Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon was on the list or not. But there's no way Jackson Arnold isn't one of the 10 most intriguing quarterbacks or OU doesn't have one of the most intriguing quarterback situations in America. That was a horrible oversight on ESPN's part. And I'm not going to give you any fake outrage over it. It just seems so obvious to put in there that when you look at compared to what else they had on the list, which I'll admit, memory's a little little foggy, um, it seemed ridiculous to leave that one off. Still... When they did their 80 quarterbacks, the 80 their 80 best quarterbacks from the 2000s, OU was well represented, even having the number one quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who just edged out Cam Newton at number two and Joe Burrow at number three. Reasons being, according to ESPN, Baker Mayfield had a better career. Those two may have had better seasons. And both those two are Heisman winners, just as Baker Mayfield is. And... Both of them are national champions. Baker Mayfield is not, but Baker Mayfield over his career rushed and threw for over 4,938 yards or rushed and threw for 4,938 yards and threw for four TDs. Just at, or 48 TDs. What did I say? Four TDs? Yeah, that's stupid. It was 48 TDs. It was 48 TDs. I can't read my, my own head, my own handwriting. Also, three top five finishes and two appearances in the college football playoffs. Look, Baker Mayfield, absolutely amazing. OU had three guys in the top 15. So Baker's number one. Kyler Murray was number seven. Sam Bradford was number 23, If or Sam Bradford was 15. If you count Caleb Williams at 23, then OU had four in the top 25, followed by Jalen Hurts at 27, you had 36, um, Jason White, 43, Landry Jones. And did I mention Sam Bradford at 15? I think I did. But OU, again, well-represented. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they may have had the most quarterbacks on this list. USC was pretty darn close, especially when you count Caleb Williams. But, but OU well-represented. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that OU isn't quarterback you. Since the turn of the century, that's what Oklahoma's been. It has been the best program for college football quarterbacks. And did I mention Landry Jones at 43? I think I did. But if I didn't, I want to make sure that I get Landry Jones in there, along with Jason White and Jalen Hurts. I say all that to say this. Landry Jones, winning his quarterback in OU history. Sam Bradford, Heisman Trophy winner. Jason White, Heisman Trophy winner. What do all three of those have in common? They weren't coached by Lincoln Riley. And even though Baker Mayfield transferred in, Jalen Hurts transferred in, Kyler Murray transferred in, and were all coached by Lincoln Riley, the narrative that he was the one that made OU quarterback U has got to die. And that he was some sort of quarterback whisperer has also got to die at some point. And maybe it's us up to us to kill it. But Sam Bradford and Jason White, again, Heisman winners, Landry Jones winning his quarterback, 
all came to OU before they even knew who the hell Lincoln Riley was. And matter of fact, two of them came while I think Lincoln Riley might have even still been in high school. But there's this narrative from millennials, and sorry to pick on the millennials, I'll also say the younger end of my generation, Gen X, and maybe to a little bit of Gen Z, where they believe that Lincoln Riley's the only one that could have coached quarterbacks at OU and the only one that could have coached quarterbacks in America. And and the fact of the matter is, is it's just not the truth. Jackson Arnold, five-star recruit, came to OU without Lincoln Riley. And the whole reason that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, think about it, Baker Mayfield came when Lincoln Riley had just got named offensive coordinator and no one knew how good this guy was going to be. Actually, Baker Mayfield came before Lincoln Riley was offensive coordinator. Think about that. You're nodding your head yes. Because Baker Mayfield came when Trevor Knight was quarterback and I remember thinking he was absolutely nuts. Why are you coming here? Why are you trying to challenge a guy that just beat Alabama? And you're going to work with Josh Heupel, the, uh, this offensive coordinator. Why would you leave Tech where you've probably got a better chance to compete? And so much. You know, well, what do we really know as sports talk show hosts or as pundits or podcast hosts? Yeah, not a whole lot when it comes down when it, when it, when it comes down to it. But it's a matter. He came to OU because it was OU. Kyler Murray came because it was OU. You could argue that Jalen Hurts came because of Lincoln Riley simply because of the story of Nick Saban talking with Jalen Hurd's dad and says, if you're going to transfer, think about going to OU because the guy there does good work with quarterbacks. He's really the only one. And yeah, Lincoln Riley did a good job of developing quarterbacks, he, or at least recruiting quarterbacks. He did get Caleb Williams, and he got Spencer Rattler. And for whatever you think of Spencer Rattler, this is a guy that's that was at the Senior Bowl. He's going to be at the Combine and have a chance to play in the NFL. And I think as long as that interlocking OU is on the helmet, it doesn't matter who the coach is. OU is going to attract top-level quarterbacks. Now, it also means that you're going to run the spread. And as long as you're fine with that, and as long as it's a situation where Coaches can go down, get kids out of high school, or get kids out of the transfer portal and simply plug and play. Kids are going to want to come to OU because they have seen the success that Oklahoma quarterbacks have had. Jalen Hurts has gone to the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were Heisman winners and number one overall picks. And it matters less who the coach is and the brand, it, it, who the coach is matters less than what the brand is. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say here is that who the coach is matters less than the brand. And as long as that interlocking OU is on the helmet, kids across America, high school transfer portal kids, whoever, are going to be interested in coming to this team because when you think of OU now, you think of really good to great quarterbacks being produced. You also think of really good receivers being produced. And at one point, you did think of running backs, but all that has changed. All that has changed since the turn of the century, and I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So thank you. Thank you very much to ESPN for giving Brent Venables and Seth Luttrell and the rest of the OU, the rest of the OU offensive coaching staff, the head coach and the OU offensive coaching staff. One more thing that they can put in front of recruits now and point 
to how good the tradition is and what they do over time here and that it isn't just one guy. Now, you're going to have to remind them because a lot of these kids are young. But that's the biggest thing I took away from this list is that OU is not only quarterback U, but it doesn't matter who the coach is. OU will be quarterback U as long as there is a spread offense to be run and there are quarterbacks to be recruited. That wraps up to this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Sooner Schooner Show. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul. A real quick reminder, um, please give us a five-star rating, write a written review, and take a screenshot of both those and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will send you back that Heartland College Sports koozie. We'll see you next time, and until then, Boomer Sooner.